Two Girls, One Podcast is made possible by you, the listeners. And if you love the internet as much as we love talking about it, consider supporting us on Patreon. A lot of work and time go into research, recording, editing, and distributing this show. Contributing even one or two dollars per month is huge in offsetting our production costs. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash 2G1P. We'll keep making the show no matter what. But your support allows us to make it even better. Thank you so much for listening. And, and enjoy, enjoy the, the show. show. This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how Instagram became the home of modern feminism. And now here are the freshest princesses this side of West Philadelphia. Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. guys, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers who have taken the internet and used it as a script for many years, performing Belagalogs, our live comedy show in front of an audience uh, where we would just take a completely verbatim material off the internet and perform it as different characters. From there, we created a web series called Two Girls, One Show. You can find that on Hoo-Ha-Ha, where we did interviews of people behind internet posts and communities that we found interesting. And that led us right here to this podcast, where we talk to people from the internet uh, who are in some way uh, playing into some sort of internet phenomenon or bringing communities of people together. So welcome. We're psyched to have you here. Allie, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay too. Why are you okay? Well, it's not a great story, so we can move on quickly, but I thought my insomnia was getting better, and now I think maybe it's not. Uh, how are you? Good, good. I'm good. Uh, that's all I have to say. I'm good. Cool. We're <laughs> really entertaining our listeners. We really are. I, I <laughs> Yeah. I, I Marie condoed my apartment yesterday a little bit. I jumped you on that did? bandwagon. A you little bit. I, that th- shit? I threw all my clothes in a pile and I thought about which ones spark joy and didn't. I didn't say it that way. I was like, what do I love? What don't I love? But it really Have works. Have you already I them out? What's the odds I can still get your hand-me-downs when I come to New York in a few weeks? <laughs> I am such a lazy ass with taking stuff to donation centers and stuff. So I'll definitely have it in a couple weeks. No problem. No sweats. <laughs> let's because I feel let's like, be clear. Yeah. You would not fit into uh, to Jen's clothes. She's eight and a half feet tall. No, no. I fit into them. It's just like her shorts are my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow strangely it works. We're, we're similar sizes, I think, other than the legs. <laughs> <laughs> I walk on nubbins. Jen walks on legs. So, uh, yeah. I was going to go on about that, but it would be pretty boring. So let's move on. (laughs) Uh, We are talking about one of my favorite topics today. Oh, yeah. What's that? Feminism. Oh, 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 bacon. Okay, sorry. sorry. No, that was a really solid guess. Um, If I could just step away for a couple minutes, I'm going to make some bacon so I could have bacon while we discuss feminism. Yeah, as long as we can hear those ASMR sizzles in the background. Oh, (laughs) yeah, girl. You know it. You know it. I'm going to bring the microphone over to the stove. Oh, girl. All right. So tell us, what what does feminism, what's the angle today? What are we doing? Uh, Memes. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Because it's the internet. Uh, The internet. We're yeah, looking well, at internet and feminism. We're talking to a <laughs> memestress, a self-proclaimed memestress. She creates feminist memes that also look at mental health, relationships, social media culture, all that. Um, so the account is called Binch City. Binch as in bitch with an N and not 
a T? Does that no? That doesn't work. B I N C H, guys. Binch. Which I think. No, you're well, right. That does work. Oh, it yeah, does. B I T C H B I N C H. Well, um, Jen's learning I, to spell. Um, I am right here in front of your ears. <laughs> um, Yale didn't teach her shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, do, do, is this how the kids say say bitch? Is it binch? I was about to say, what's up with binch? I believe our lovely intern Sophie. Shout out to Sophie. Did a hey. little research for us, and uh, she said that. Binge is a playful synonym for bitch, uh, which actually became widespread on Twitter after Twitter began hiding replies when people swore, when they used swear words or other vulgar language. So people would get around that with the old binge. Nice. Nice. Fuck you, binge. I like it. It's more fun. It's more playful. Yeah. All right, binge. Hit us with that trivia. (laughs) Oh. Today's episode is about feminism but also memes uh and the intersection between the two i've got uh, a pretty good meme based trivia for you if you're ready born ready as ready as i'll ever be uh you know we're all of a certain age and when we think of memes i think we all came onto the internet and started taking the internet seriously around the time of lolcats oh yeah how many of you remember lolcats we performed a lolcats the musical oh god yeah definitely remember uh for any millennials listening uh these were silly pictures of cats with text written over them as if the text was in the voice of the cat so like a cat looking excited or curious with text saying i can has cheeseburger and it was like broken grammar and as if a cat speaking english i don't even think you mean millennials i think you mean to call out our gen z listeners (laughs) anyone younger than me is a millennial a filthy disgusting person you're a millennial right you're on the other edge but you're a millennial the last year of millennial but i hate myself for being one and hate all millennials (laughs) okay Wow. All right. Uh, just kidding. Shout out to anyone listening who is of any age. We love you. <laughs> okay. Please um, keep listening. You can check out our ass, Patreon bitch. at patreon.com slash 2G1P. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> this phenomenon, especially because we're interviewing a, um, a youth. She, she's in college. Mm-hmm. She's a senior in college, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, this phenomenon of lolcats spurred countless iterations and it even created media empires like the Cheeseburger Network, which was a, a network of blogs that were all about memes. I think Know Your Meme, oh, yeah, I forgot uh, about wh- that. whom we interviewed, the editor-in-chief is part, what is or was part of that network. So lolcats were a thing. Um, lolcats also inspired a somewhat lesser known and short-lived achievement or phenomenon. I'm gonna give you three choices. Which one is real? Are you ready? Yes. Yes. A a programming language called lolcode in which all the syntax is written entirely in lolcat speak. Oh, that doesn't sound annoying at all. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) B, a line of iced coffee products called I can has caffeine, question mark. (laughs) The answer to that for me is no. (laughs) I don't need any more caffeine. C, an animated series on Cartoon Network called Cat Burgers which only lasted for half a season. Something is telling me C is correct. I remember cat burgers. Okay. I'm going with C. Okay. Jen goes with C. Um, A? I must be thinking of Bob's Burgers. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's that show with the burgers? <laughs> and the cat? I'm going to go with uh, A. Allie, you're going with A? Yeah. Okay. The, the lol code, the programming language written in cat Wait, speak. Wait, are we talking programming language or just like a keyboard? Uh, I don't know how to answer that question. A programming language meaning 
all of the language, like, you know, if then uh, referring to different functions of the language would be like, you know, Ken has cheeseburger or whatever. All right, I'm going to call a bluff on that one now that you've tried to explain it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I believe there was like some kind of keyboard that would translate into lol speak. I believe that. So... Now I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna mm. go with B. Do you need me to mansplain what a programming language is quickly, or? I don't believe that it was used for programming. Because okay. <laughs> programming so would be like go... the back end, right, for what would appear. Correct. Yeah. Whoa, I can't believe a lady would know a term oh, like that. Oh, fuck my you. God. I'm gonna go with Matt, B. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here for this conversation about feminism today. I'm really, I have a lot to I'm learn. glad you're here, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now get in your corner and shut the fuck up. I'm going with B. <laughs> B. Uh, I can has caffeine, the iced coffee line. Yes. Yep. We will find out the correct answer after the break. And now a real health wanted advertisement entitled Unique Challenge for an Experienced Director. Paid from the website where Steven Spielberg finds 90% of his gigs. Craigslist. <laughs> I am in search of an experienced director to tackle a unique challenge. My seven-year-old son is an up-and-coming film director, and I have decided that he is ready to direct his first feature film. His father has agreed to fund a film up to $250,000, so I'm looking for an experienced director to guide him through the process. He will be making all creative decisions, but he will need help and guidance. His favorite directors are Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, and Stanley Kubrick. Special preference will be given to anyone who has worked with one of these directors in the past. You will be helping my son uh, solicit a script, pitch the script to his father, and then plan and create the film. I am not in the film industry, so please send a proposed weekly salary in your response to this ad. Only experienced directors who include a proposed salary will be considered. Thank you for your time. son knows about this <laughs> like do you think what? he knows anything he's seven i don't yeah it's true <laughs> but wow that dad two hundred fifty thousand dollars. why don't you invest in this podcast dad do you know what if you're i'm listening? gonna apply <laughs> yeah that's a great gig also the amount of money that some people just have to light on fire yeah they should sponsor this podcast Right, yeah. the marketing budget alone. Uh, How much did they pay you for that ad, Matthew? Fifty grand. So that's like uh, a huge you know, chunk out of the uh, full. That that uh, I can't even hear it. <laughs> <laughs> you and your lies. Okay, uh. let's hear that trivia. Lolcats was uh, pretty much where it was at in the early two thousands. Uh, and the mid-2000s, perhaps. Uh, it spawned a media empire and a lot of memes. Uh, what else did it inspire? You had three choices. A, a programming language called LOL Code. B, a line of iced coffee called I Can Has Caffeine. Or C, a cartoon called Cat Burgers, not Bob's Burgers, that lasted for half a season before it was canceled. Uh, Jen, you went with the cartoon 
Allie, you were thinking uh, the coding language, but then switched over to the coffee. Correct. You know, everyone's sticking. Sticking with it. I think, didn't Grumpy Cat have his own caffeinated beverage? Maybe that something is also really true about that one. I think. Let's let's hear it. What's true? What's not true? The correct answer is a law <gasps> code. God damn it! <laughs> Matt intentionally misexplained what that meant just so we. <laughs> Wouldn't well, get it. you know, I fumbled the explanation, but I didn't want to give you too much information. I do have examples of how the code works here, and it's just a novelty for geeky programmers, I suppose. Um, it has syntax like hi, H-A-I, where you start the program. Uh, can has, you know, file where it's like you're if you're requesting a, a piece of information from a database, you're saying can has, you know, information. Uh, and then when you end the program, the syntax is K thanks bye. You know, <laughs> all the little Mimi LOL language that is part of that culture just kind of formatted into a legitimate programming language. And it was it is not widely used, but a couple applications were made with it. And I don't think, you know, if you were using these apps or, or programs, you wouldn't know how it was coded. You don't see the JavaScript uh, running on your web browser. But if you looked under the hood, uh, as a more technical person might, you would see all this funny lingo. Uh, and I thought it was uh, pretty cute and also like a, a relic of its time. Like when we Ugh. think of internet memes, memes today, as I uh, assume we will discuss shortly, uh, the whole cats on the internet is uh, is a little passe at this point. Well, now we're dealing with feminism and mental illness. So <laughs> let's get into our interview on that note. Um, Matt, that was awesome trivia. All right. So we are super excited to have with us Julia Hava, who is the creator of Binch City on uh, multiple social media platforms. But the big presence is Instagram, where you can see all of the memes that she's making around these topics. Welcome, Julia. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So tell us, what is Binge City in your own words? Also, I see that you're the president of the Dumb Bitch Club, and I would love to know <laughs> what the heck that means. <laughs> um, so Binge City is kind of you know, an Instagram that I created, which has, has changed a lot over time at first. Um, it was just me making memes about my mental illness and like other random topics, how much I hate men, you know, things like that. Um, <laughs> that was the beginning of it, which is very much just like a stream of consciousness, Twitter style meme. Um, and at that point, there weren't a lot of people talking about um, like mental health so explicitly. Like, I think it's pretty recent, this transformation that we've seen on the internet of people talking very explicitly and candidly about their mental health issues. Um, I know that when I started going to therapy in high school, that was something that I felt very embarrassed about and that I didn't feel like I could share with anybody. And I think that now the climate is completely different. Everybody I know goes to therapy. Everybody talks about it in person and on the internet. So even when I started my Instagram, which was, I would say, I'm trying to remember when it was, I think it was 2017. So it's like about two years old. Um, even then I wasn't seeing a lot of people talking about mental health on the internet. So that's kind of what I was doing. It wasn't like an intentional thing of me trying to go and like change the conversation on the internet. <laughs> it was more just like very therapeutic for me to talk about that. Um, and over time I started doing things that were more like visually appealing just because Instagram as a platform really allows for that. Um, and so I started doing more Photoshop designs um in like the vintage style that i do uh and 
kind of using shorter phrasing um, to kind of just get across certain points or sometimes I'll tweet things and then I'll like turn them into these kind of posters. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of how it's how it's evolved over time. And for our listeners who can't see it, I mean, unless you guys should definitely check it out. It's at Binge City on Instagram. Um, Could you describe maybe a couple of them? What are some of your favorite memes that you've made? Yeah. So basically what I do is um, there's like this kind of thing. I don't know what it's called, but it's like the housewives with the, the little stickers on them that say like, you know, they're kind of like dirty housewives and they say things like, oh, like I want to put my child in the oven. Like, you know, you see those things when you're walking (laughs) on the street in New York. It's kind of like that. Um, And I've seen some other people do like vintage style comedy as well. So it's definitely not like something that I created, but I really love vintage posters and I have always loved like that style. So I basically just started putting phrases like into those as if they were vintage posters. Um, so I'm trying to think of, of some of my favorites. One of the ones that I, that I started with, which wasn't actually a vintage poster, but was kind of like in a poster style, which was, um, like the slutty therapist meme that I made. So it was basically about like an advertisement for women being men's slutty therapist, which is that men want us to be their unpaid therapist that also has sex with them and listens to all of their problems and treats them for free. Um, and so I want to keep it casual. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm looking at one right now that says how to perform emotional labor for little to nothing in return. And it's like yeah. a guy basically wearing a suit, getting served breakfast in bed. And the woman's like, yeah, sure, Brad, let's talk about your mommy issues. <laughs> and, um, just so you guys yeah. get an idea of what it is. Yeah. Just so you guys get an idea of our lives. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually, uh, if you look up vintage ads, you'll pretty much immediately get like 10 crazy sexist ads that would never be allowed to be published today. And that's one of them. That's like a very typical one that you see when you search vintage ads, just because like the woman's on her knees and it's like a very, I think it was something like how to serve your man or something like that. I don't remember what the advertisement was for, um, but I'm not necessarily looking to change ads that used to be sexist, but a lot of the ads that do have women in them like were very sexist in nature. Um, but that that meme like came from the same line of thought as the slutty therapist one. It's just over time I figured out more the way that I wanted to present them because I do like for them to look aesthetically pleasing considering that it's like an Instagram feed. Um, and a lot of the facial expressions that people make in these vintage ads are just really perfect for, for the kind of things that I want to get across. Because it is such a visual medium, I would love for you to tell our listeners even even one or two more, uh, maybe your favorites or ones that were the most popular. Yeah, I'm going to pull up my Instagram because I honestly forget all the things that yeah, I post. I know. I've it's made. like when yeah. someone asks, you're like, wait, what? I've made so many of them. Um, so, I mean, one of the ones that I have is this uh, vintage style My Little Pony advertisement and I just changed it to the pony like with a little tear and it says my little panic attack instead um which is like a style that a lot of people do of changing toys um or changing like recognizable logos to something else so that's one that I really like um I also have this whole series that I do of the dumbest shit men have ever said to me um so this is like I think it's at least a seven part series at this point where it at first was just something that I was collecting in my notes. Um, a list of the dumbest shit men have ever said to me personally and have said to my friends. And then I, after I did the first one, I started taking submissions from people and I have gotten all these really ridiculous, crazy, 
um, submissions that I fully believe are true. A lot of times people will comment and be like, there's no way someone said that. And it's like, no, I definitely think that a man has said that to you because I've heard something very similar. So for example, from the first one that I did, these were all ones that like I had heard personally, which was um, like, I've never eaten a fruit before. When I'm anxious about something, I just stop thinking about it. Um, I think the biggest hardship in my life has been not having a hardship. So those are just like a couple of the things that I put in there, which are just things that men say like without thought. Can we go back to the fruit? Yes. Yes. That was something that (laughs) was said to me personally. So are all men malnourished? Like, you know, what do you mean they've never eaten a fruit? I do believe that some men don't know how to feed themselves. Um, (laughs) That was actually said to me by this very like athletic jockey guy. And I was like, I don't know how you play sports. And you've never eaten a fruit before. Does he but, think it's cool? What 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 is he made of? Is he made of like macaroni and ramen? Like, do you know? I don't know. I, I mean, had an I, ex-boyfriend that I think was 99% cereal. <laughs> <laughs> that honestly, I think men love cereal. Cereal is like a meal they filler fucking for love everything. Cereal. They're 99% yeah. cereal, 1% water. I think that, I don't know. This is... I don't know if men, maybe, maybe men think fruit is too feminine and like vegetables are the only thing that they can eat that's yeah, those healthy. those tomatoes, those are so girly. I yeah, fucking hate so tomatoes. girly. Well, strawberries, like. When I look at a like, tomato, I'm just like, uh, vagina. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, just, just, just for the record, I, I do eat fruit, but not in public. Man, shut up. <laughs> not in public. Not I would never public. be seen. Fellas, Actually, is it gay to eat fruit? <laughs> Tweet at us at, at Junebugger, at Allie Gold. At Allie Gold. Oh, my God. I mean, you so can't eat a banana. This. That's way too phallic. You can't be seen yeah, in public obvious, eating a banana. Though. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No bananas, no eggplants. <laughs> I think it's more like, I don't know where men get their dietary plans, but I'm sure that men's health is not like including a big dosage of fruit in like your daily meal. I think it's just like snort a line of protein powder and like get on with your day. <laughs> protein powder and soylent. Don't men say that things are like fruity? That's like a very old fashioned term of saying that something's like uh-huh, gay. Uh-huh. So they must yeah. come from, I'm, I'm like starting to develop a conspiracy theory here that that's why men don't eat fruit. Wow, yeah, a certain really amount of fruit something. will turn you gay for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, I have no other questions beyond this line of thought. <laughs> I'm interested. As you said, your memes deal with mental health as well. And I'm, I'm curious to know like, for you, what's is there any overlap with feminism, gender issues, mental health? I'm sure there is a ton of overlap, but like, how do you view that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, not to get into my academic pursuits, but I'm actually writing my senior thesis on psychiatric abuse against women um, of color, specifically in the 1970s in America. Um, so there's like, there's actually a very long history of psychiatry and psychology being sexist and women's stories of mental health not being taken seriously, or on the other hand, uh, women's emotions being pathologized as mental illness. So I think that like inherently there is a huge overlap. Um, the second wave feminism in the 60s and 70s like really tackled those issues. And that was a big line of thought then was how is psychology and psychiatry and mental health in general sexes. Wasn't the vibrator created to deal with hysteria in women? It was, yes. Well, that was a happy mistake, so thanks. It was. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I love that you're writing about this. I want to be yeah. you when I grow down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still have to finish it. It's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, so. Yeah. I believe in you. So a couple more of these memes, uh, like one says, love seems fake, but okay, I'll pursue it relentlessly. And it's like this very carefree <laughs> woman. 
Um, I mean, it's sort of interesting. Or another one I'm looking at is I'm a grown ass woman. Don't yell at me or I will cry immediately. It's like a fine line between being like tongue in cheek. Like it's it's like, haha, this is like how women used to think versus like, oh, there's a part of me that might still feel this way now. Um, mm-hmm. So I find that really interesting and uncomfortable and it makes me want to keep looking. Thank you. I mean, for me, it's just definitely things that I say in person. Like I definitely talk that way. I think half of my vocabulary, probably more than that, is just made up of like meme language. Like, you know, seems fake, but okay. Um, like I do think some of the things that I say, maybe people wouldn't want to like put themselves out there as being like, yeah, if someone yells at me, I'm going to cry immediately. But for me, I've always had trouble like not saying exactly what I think. And that is definitely how I feel when anyone raises their voice at me, especially a man. Um, So I'm not hesitant to put my like dysfunctional thoughts out there, my thoughts that might be embarrassing or I don't know, not like the most honorable thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start to call them functional thoughts. Oh, I like that. I mean, I guess they're like, yeah. I, I definitely like to make fun of my dysfunctional coping mechanisms because just like psychologically, I think the more aware you are of how you deal with things badly or the kind of thought patterns that you, you know, follow, then you can kind of make fun of yourself and realize that you might be a little bit irrational. Right. Would you mind telling us if you're open to it a little bit more of your personal journey to making this material? Yeah, of course. Um, Well, I have always been very anxious. Just, I mean, I did this whole series actually on like Jews and mental health because I, so much of like what I think about mental health and humor and life in general is very Jewish. I think that Jews like love to make fun of our problems. My grandpa always says like, if you can't laugh at yourself, then like there's no point in life. I think that that's just very, very Jewish in nature. And I did this series where I asked people like, what's the most Jewish thing your parents have ever done? And so much of it is like deep neuroticism, like making your child tell like a family password before you let anyone pick you up from school or not putting your initials on your backpack in case like some kidnapper can read them and like trick you into taking you with them. And like, I think that that my, my dad especially is so much like that. I used specifically the stories of him telling me that I couldn't lock the door when I was taking a bath in case I drowned or, you know, things like that. Um, so I think that that's very much what my childhood was like, like very neurotic. And th- so throughout my whole life, I've definitely been neurotic. My brain always tends to go to like dark places. Um, and although that's funny, there is a point to which you know, you can get really caught up in those anxiety thoughts and those depression thoughts. And when I was probably 14, I started having really bad panic attacks. And that was when I started to see a therapist. It took a while, but that was the point where I was like, there is something wrong. I can't like not deal with this because I was having like very debilitating panic attacks. And so I started going to therapy in high school um, and I still go to therapy now, but I'm really grateful that my Jewish parents knew what therapy was and knew that it was important to send me to it because I think that I've like understood myself and the way I think a lot more because of it. And even now when I have, you know, negative thoughts or I have anxiety or depression, I kind of understand it more. And what was giving me panic attacks in the first place was not understanding why I was feeling the way I was feeling and feeling terrified by that, which I think is very relatable to a lot of people when we just don't know what's going on in our head. So how did this journey end up at memes? Um, I mean, I've always really loved 
creative outlets. I have written songs for a long time. I wrote a lot of music in high school and poetry. Um, but I think that I got to a point in college where I was like, I literally don't have the energy to do anything substantial. The only thing I think at like anyone who's suffered from mental health issues has just gotten to the point where they're like, this is hilarious. Like, I can't believe that I feel this shitty and my life is garbage. And at that point, like, it's not even worth it to make some like poetic journey out of your experience. It's just like, I need to make fun of myself. I need to laugh about this. And that's when I started making memes. So did it go from angsty teen poetry into hilarious memes? I mean, I don't think I, I didn't stop writing poetry or, or writing music alongside it. But I think that there was a point where it like wasn't getting me because I, I think that in, in writing poetry or writing music, there's a certain level to which you still take yourself seriously, which I think is is hard to do all the time when you really take yourself seriously all the time. It's exhausting. You have to sometimes make fun of yourself in order to like let go of some of that pressure. What for you is so particular about the internet as a vehicle for expressing this sort of content? And like, why do you think it's effective either for you or in the relationships that you're forming? Are Is there a community coming out of it? There's definitely people that I've met through the internet. Um, not so much. I think that like, I don't necessarily meet up with a lot of people on the internet just because I am in college currently. And so like, it's easy to meet people, but I'm not sure like how that'll go in the future. Uh, Cause I do think that the internet is able to connect people really easily. But I think that um, for me, at least when I was younger, the internet was like kind of a place to escape to and not have to really think about things. Um, and for a lot of people of my generation, that's kind of still what the internet is, is kind of when you don't want to think about what's going on in your current life, you can go to the internet and, or, or if you do want to think about it and you want to just rant about it, that's a place where you can do it. So, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a lot of like very intellectual discourse on the internet as like a space to express yourself. But I do think that it connects people in crazy ways. Um, I mean, there's obviously downsides to it as well, which many people have talked about. But I think that the internet allows for creative expression in a way that's not um, regulated, I guess. Like there, there are ways in which people used to only be able to express themselves creatively if they had a record deal or they like were a stand-up comic or they had a platform in the first place. And with the internet, you're really able to build yourself a platform even if you don't have any connections to begin with. And clearly it's resonating. Um, guys, she has over 67,000 followers <laughs> on Insta, which is awesome. Um, you know, you said something in an interview that I was curious about. Um, you talked about like having to be careful about the content that you put out there around mental illness, uh, gender issues. Um, it has to be really like well thought out before you do it um, and mm -hmm. like talked about potentially doing damage. So just curious, like what your thoughts are around that and like what that looks like to be careful with all this. Yeah. I mean, for my Instagram, I try not to speak about anything that isn't my personal experience because it's not really my place to speak for other people's experiences. And also I do think that the funniest content comes from something that's true to you. Um, so in general, I just try to speak about what I've experienced personally, but I also think that with mental health specifically, there are certain, um, mental health issues like eating disorders, for example, that can be exacerbated with mentioning certain negative coping mechanisms. So eating disorders can, can really be triggered by people, you know, kind of joking about their bad coping mechanisms, especially romanticizing them. Like, for example, I see a lot on Twitter, people making jokes about like replacing meals with iced coffee. And a lot of people think they're really funny, but that 
can really be a negative influence for somebody with an eating disorder or with eating disordered tendencies, because it's kind of normalizing it and encouraging it as something that's okay. So I think that it depends on like the way that you're, you're phrasing it. For me, I always try to, to make fun of myself in a way that makes it clear that like, this is probably not the most beneficial line of thinking. Like, that's why I say I'm president of the dumb bitch club. Like, I don't think that all my thoughts are like, I don't know, the gospel. I don't think that my thoughts are like, I think a lot of times we have these unconscious thoughts that aren't necessarily true or accurate, that it is our job to challenge in order to have, you know, healthy um, mental states. But especially with eating disorders, that can be really tricky. Um, Or with self-harm behaviors. Some people put that out there without I think any self-awareness or any self-criticism that that's something that's negative. And instead of kind of talking about how that's difficult and how we can um, make things easier for people who are suffering from those issues, it's kind of just put out there as like, yeah, that's normal. I do that too. Yeah. I would imagine like even the process of making one of these memes requires a lot of time and a lot of thought <laughs> and effort. So like you, ha- it's like a whole process rather than just like posting something without thinking about it. I mean, yeah, I think that I don't, I don't post as much like very specifically about mental health as I used to in in the form of memes. I do really like to share mental health resources and I have um, like a whole section that's highlighted to my page where I talk about mental health resources that have been helpful to me. Um, But I don't know. I don't get a lot of hate from people, but sometimes people will get mad when I'm like, I hate men. And they're like, I'm a man. Why would you hate me? And it's like, I don't really care about that. That's not really important to me. I'm not really trying to put content out there that is relatable to everybody. Because when you try to make content that's relatable to everybody, you lose that specificity that is like so relatable to people. Like the more specific that you can get, you feel like you're kind of like reading people's minds. And that's, I think what people really like to see on the internet. So I'm, I think like 85% of my followers are women. So I don't really, I'm not really so worried about like my content offending men, but I definitely wouldn't want to like exacerbate any mental health issues people have or like make light of anything that's really serious. So you started putting these memes out there and then, you know, were you surprised by the following and the reaction? Can you talk a little bit about the growth? I was, I definitely, I just started my page because I was seeing like goth Shakira and bunny memes. I don't know if they really make so much content anymore, but goth Shakira specifically was an Instagrammer who kind of invented that like long form style of meme, which by nature like was feminist because she was talking about like feminist issues always. And it was like this really long, like paragraph of of text that kind of made fun of the original format of memes, which was like when you hang out with your friends and it's like a gif of someone laughing, like that's relatable to everybody. That's kind of the point of those memes. And she would make these like incredibly specific long form memes that were like, when you're astrological sign is Capricorn and you're chilling in your bed with your cat and you're eating a turkey sandwich and like this stuff that's so specific, but somehow still relatable. And she really started that. And that was something that I saw sometimes on the internet, but I was like, that's really funny. And I really like how specific she can get while still it being relatable to people. So I started doing that like with mental health stuff um, more specifically. And I it took off like pretty quickly. Like people thought it was funny and that was kind of surprising to me. And it was just very therapeutic for me to make that content. Cause it was kind of me just like releasing my thoughts into a form that could like be put on the internet. Um, and then I think people 
started to relate to it. And when people relate to the things you say, when people feel like you're reading their mind, like they really like to see like what other things you come up with, I guess. I know we sort of already touched upon this, but why do you think memes are such a vehicle for feminism? I mean, I don't know if memes are a vehicle for feminism so much as the internet is a vehicle for feminist thought. I think that I've specifically learned so much about like social justice issues on Tumblr when I was on Tumblr in like 2011 and 2012. Like that was a time period in which people were really talking a lot about like LGBTQ issues and feminism and um, like healthy relationships and, and mental health and stuff like that. And I learned a lot about social justice through through that medium. So I think that in general, the internet makes it easy for people to share their opinions. And that can be really damaging because people can share like radical right-wing fascist opinions, but people can also educate other people on their own personal experience. And I think that primarily what this is about is experience and people learning from other people's experiences and that educating people in a way that they see that somebody has lived like a structural discrimination like throughout their life. So it's not like this um, like abstract thing, like, oh, racism. It's like, no, here's my personal experience with racism. Here's my personal experience with sexism. And that like kind of closeness that you can get on the internet of like really feeling like you know somebody or knowing their story, I think that's really effective in um, like creating social change and educating a wide variety of people. I would love to hear some more about some of the inspiration and or some of your more thoughts behind a couple of memes that I see on your page. <laughs> so one is towards the top. Uh, so if you guys go check out Julia's Instagram page, you'll see it right away. Um, it's a guy doing the limbo and it says, lower the bar exclamation point, a fun dating game for women. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are like any thoughts behind that or where did the inspiration come from for that? A lot of what I have done, um, like besides mental health is talk about like heterosexual relationships, which I just think there's so much to be said about because I think that when I was first starting to have like substantial relationships with men, I didn't realize like how much power there is in that and like how much sexism there is in the way that you communicate with men and how they listen to you and whether or not they take your concerns seriously. Um, and so I started realizing that there were all these dynamics like the slutty therapist, for example, that come into play when you're in a heterosexual relationship with a man. Um, and a lot of times that includes the woman doing like the majority of the emotional work and putting up with these things that we would never put up from with like another female friend um, or just a friend in general. We would never put up with somebody like being completely unresponsive or gaslighting us into thinking that our emotions are invalid or that we're asking too much. And that was just constantly what I was feeling like in, in relationships um, with men was just that like I was being made to feel like I was crazy. And in reality, I was just lowering my standards to like a man not being like violently sexist. I was like, wow, that's amazing. King, like, thank you so much for not wanting to kill women every day. And that's kind of like the standard that women have to settle for. Oh my God. I, yeah. 
I, we, I'm so sad right I know. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like going through my Rolodex of dudes in my head and I'm like, yeah. I mean, that's something that- The sad set. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that I think so many women can relate to is just like that they think is so personal that like men have treated them like trash and have made them think that like they were asking way too much in relationships when they were like- employed women who are smart and like ambitious and have a lot to say. And they're like dating some dude whose mattress is on the floor and he like doesn't have sheets on his bed and like skateboards for a living. And they feel like inferior to that man because the man is making them feel like they don't have anything valid to say and that they're being crazy for wanting them to be like responsive and um, like empathetic. And that's just something that I think people have been talking about more on the internet too, but it's crazy. Like the standards that we set for men versus the standards that we set for women. Yeah, if his mattress is on the floor, get the fuck out. Although, I don't know, you're, st- you're still in college, so, like, maybe that's okay. We're in our 30s. If I walk into a dude's place and the mattress on the floor, I'm like, peace. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta yeah. go. But, like, a lot of people, I think, don't – there are a lot of things that I put up with that I didn't know I wasn't supposed to put up with. You know what I mean? I think yeah, that- yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. We're not told that. I went to this dude's place and he had brought a, tr- a tree home, just like, just like a like a like a, a like tree? a trunk of a tree. <laughs> he had like dragged this like home a Christmas tree. Like, this was not around Christmas. <laughs> okay. So it's just a lumber like a tree. tree. And I was like, hey, why do you like why do you why do you have this? It's for art. Why is this here? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's pretty. He was cool. like, I thought it was. I he was like, I like this tree, so I brought it <laughs> home, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> it looked like. <laughs> it looked like the kind of place where I was going to get murdered. You know what I mean? Oh, I went no. home with him and I was like, ah, this is a bad choice. <laughs> anyway. So I'm just saying that in your yeah. 30s, their mattresses are on something, but they've got weird shit in the room. And that's also a red flag. I just want you to know. <laughs> the trees. Yeah. <laughs> if they bring home vegetation from the street. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But I think that our there standard is so low. Our standard is set so low for men that we're like, Oh, like that's creative, I guess. Like maybe he really likes nature. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> yeah, and he was a smart dude. So there were like a lot of excuses, but there were a lot of creepy things in his apartment where I was like, oh. Yeah. And it's only anyway, when you get out of uh, it that you like can look back. You're like, wait a yeah. minute. Totally. And that's what people don't understand when people are like, All men are trash. I hate men. It's like we're not talking about you specifically. We're talking about like masculinity and the way that like, I feel bad for a lot of guys who are raised to have like no emotions and no empathy. And they're like, I don't know how I'm feeling. Like I've never known how I feel. Like I have two emotions. Like I remember my friend specifically told me about like, he was at this like group therapy and they had to have like a feelings wheel for the straight men because they like couldn't name more than two feelings, which were like angry Mm -hmm. and like, sad and so they had to like spin the feelings wheel in order to find like a feeling other than those two ones yeah i mean it's kind of funny but it's a huge disservice for a life well lived and then obviously that plays into how they're treating everyone around them yeah if that is the case feelings wheel is pretty funny it's like i feel like if i date a dude i want to put a feelings wheel on the fridge and be like all right (laughs) sometimes you really have to do that though because i think that like the way that a lot of men are raised is that it's like 
it's like feminine to be in touch with your emotions and understand how you're feeling. And like, that is a crucial part of empathy, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have the chance to develop, which is sad. Um, One other meme I wanted to ask about, and I was particularly interested because we did an episode on this podcast interviewing a woman who had had uh, plastic surgery to look like her Snapchat filter and some, yeah, her filter, (laughs) the way her photo looked. Um, So one that I see here, it's a woman sort of like pulling her hair back with a headband on and it looks very 1950 of course. And it says, what's my skincare routine? It's quite simple, Accutane and Facetune. So I was, it just reminded me of that episode so much. Um, I'm so curious to know some of your thoughts behind that. What inspired that? Yeah. I mean, if you want to know how personal my memes are, I've literally been on Accutane three times. So like that's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it doesn't work. I'm like, I still have acne. Um, I'm, Wait, I, I have. We can discuss that later. I have a secret. Well, it's not a secret. I can tell anyone, but it's boring. So I'll tell okay, you. Okay, we'll t- we'll talk about because I think a lot. Of, I'm like a- afterwards. Yeah, yeah, it's important. But first of all, everyone uses Facetune, which is like both a bad and a good thing because I think that something we don't realize is I love this Instagram account called Celeb Face. I don't know if you guys follow Celeb Face. No. Um, there's a there's a bunch of Instagram accounts like Celeb Face, and what they do is they show how celebrities Photoshop their pictures. They get like the the stock photo and then this the photo that the celebrity posts and they like show the video transformation of how they edit it and it's so interesting because i don't know why my my dumb bitch brain for some reason didn't think that celebrities would photoshop their pictures like <laughs> oh, other than other than magazines you know i'm like i know magazines photoshop but like when kim kardashian takes a picture like she already has so much surgery why would she need to photoshop it and it's like <laughs> right. no literally everybody face tunes because everyone like see something that's wrong with themselves that like nobody else can see. And when you see that like celebrities that you follow do that as well. And like these girls are like photoshopping their waist to be like impossible sizes and things like that. And we just like see that and we accept it as truth. Cause I think like all of our dumb bitch brains are like, well, if it's on the internet, then it's true. Yeah. I love Beyonce. We all love Beyonce, but I saw an Instagram photo of her. It was a couple years ago now. We're like, the thigh gap, like she had on a short skirt and like the gap between her legs. Mm -hmm. It was photoshopped so badly. It looked like somebody had like taken a bite out of her legs or something (laughs) really weird. Yeah. It was like just so obvious. So yeah, you're right. Everybody does it. Yeah. And I mean, even when I take pictures, like there's so much that goes into like posing yourself so that you look your best and doing your makeup routine so that you look your best. And it's like ridiculous, like on a, on a regular day, like nobody looks the way that they do on Instagram. I deleted my account. You did? Why? <laughs> Your Instagram account? I mean, I could... Yeah. No, I mean, it's still there. I, I del- okay, I shouldn't say that. I deleted Instagram from my phone. Sorry. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I was a little shocked. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> I've done that before. But I hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, it's kind of a different track, but I feel like there's been an appropriation of vulnerability online for clicks. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of people started being really honest and that really resonated with people and they developed followings over that. And then I feel like people have started being ridiculous about it where it's pretty obviously not true that they dealt with anything or they have never dealt with anything and they're like making up stuff. Mm-hmm. That, or, or they're, you, do you know what I mean? Is there an example I don't know of if you that? feel that way too. Like, is there a specific example well, that you're thinking of? I mean, an example that I think is hilarious <laughs> is Kylie Jenner saying she had a really <laughs> brave and vulnerable announcement. Which oh, is that, that was Kendall. It was Kendall. <laughs> oh, sorry. Get sorry, your sorry, Kardashians right. I know. Wait, what was the announcement? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
She is this proactive. Kendall Jenner was like, but the- I have a, I have an extremely vulnerable and sensitive announcement to make. And everyone was like, she's coming out. And then she was like, I use proactive because I had acne. <laughs> There's this whole conspiracy theory on the internet that like Kendall Jenner is secretly gay and she needs to come out. And so everyone was really excited about it because they were like, Kendall's finally going to come out, you guys. Like, this is what we've been waiting for. And I don't know why Kendall specifically has this. Re- I, I know way too much about the Kardashians. I'm like, this is like my entire discourse. But uh, <laughs> she she always does this thing where she is just like doesn't understand like society or culture or how things work. Like remember that Pepsi thing that she did where she was like, I solve police brutality because I gave a cop a Pepsi can. Yes. Yeah. So she like always does things that are just like not relatable to anybody or in touch with the reality of life. And so she released this whole campaign that was like, I was worried that I could never be a supermodel because sometimes I got pimples, but now I use proactive. (laughs) And that was like her whole announcement. Was it sponsored by proactive? Totally sponsored. That was was great. And anybody with acne knows that proactive does nothing. Does not work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have. have I'm sorry, guys. Can we, can we take that back? Because we, we just got a, we got a sponsorship deal from proactive. Come back in your corner and eat your lunch. Eat your lunch. Eat your lunch. I would like a sponsorship from Accutane personally. (laughs) Yeah. No, we're going to talk about that in a minute. So, okay. No, I will. I have more, uh, relatable examples i just don't want to out anyone yeah i get what you're saying but like i've had there was this i've seen a lot of it on my personal feed where people are like clearly promoting something right like there'll be press about them Mm -hmm. and they'll be like oh i'm so happy with this profile you know people always ask me how do you do it and i'm like just do what you love and people don't realize (laughs) that i've struggled with depression for years and i'm just like oh my god it's like this fake authenticity yes for clicks and it drives me batshit and everybody likes it and comments oh my god you're so brave and i'm like so brave bullshit so i don't i just was wondering because you've been so lovely and articulate, like if you have any thoughts on the appropriation of mental health for clicks. I mean, I absolutely do. The thing is, is that it's hard because you don't want to like gatekeep other people's stories, but, and like, there's no way, like I can't ask to see people's like psychiatric records to confirm that like they've had (laughs) mental health issues, but definitely like, I remember people being like, Kim is so brave for speaking about her anxiety after like the Paris robbery. And it's like, she was robbed. Like anyone would, I would have a huge mental breakdown. I would need to be institutionalized after that. Like, (laughs) of course she's going to have anxiety. Like that's not anxiety. I think that also what people do is that like, which is dangerous about like this open conversation about mental health on the internet is that everybody is like, oh my God, I had an emotion. I have depression. I have anxiety. And it's like, no, like, it's really normal to have a lot of feelings that people have. And that doesn't mean that you're depressed and it doesn't mean that you're anxious. And that's not a way of like gatekeeping people from like being part of the mentally ill club. It's more like then people go on medication that they don't need to be on. And I think like pharmaceutical companies make tons of money. Like psychiatrists makes make tons of money from, from playing off of like pathologizing feelings that are very normal for people to have. And that's something that worries me because like, I mean, I personally think like I really did need to be on medication and I still take medication, but like, I always think people should go to therapy first. Like I always think I'm not like dismissing any of these people's problems, but I don't think that every feeling that you have is necessarily a mental illness. And if that's the case, that's why we're seeing such a high rate of like anxiety and depression among everybody, because people are like, 
I feel anxious sometimes. I feel worried sometimes. Like that must mean I have an anxiety disorder. And it's like, no, like uh, it's actually really effective to think about how everyone feels the way you do sometimes and everyone worries and everyone feels sad. And that doesn't mean that you need to be on like heavy medications for it. Unless it gets you clicks. Unless it gets you <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm going to start doing a deal with Zoloft and I'm going to start promoting them. I want a promotional deal. Zoloft is going to be the new fit tea. <laughs> I support you. Yeah. Thank you. So to wrap it up, what do you think people can do in terms of like moving this from online to potentially offline action? You know, what are the main things that you would love for people to take away? I mean, I, I always like to see new additions to the conversation. I love to see things that like haven't already been said things that I think what comes across the most honest is when people are saying something that's true to them rather than like kind of jumping on the bandwagon of like saying things about I'm depressed, LOL, like to get attention for it. Cause that's already been said, like we get it. Everyone's depressed, but like say something that's helpful or useful or new. And that way we can like broaden the conversation about it. I mean, I think also I always say, I think everyone should be in therapy if they can be in therapy. I think everyone should be able to talk about their problems in like a productive way. I love making jokes about mental health on the internet, but I also like have a therapist and I also do self-care that's not just like taking a bubble bath and doing a face mask, <laughs> like meditating and trying to exercise and like trying to do things that are, are good for my body and my mind. Um, and so I don't think that like this laughing about mental health on the internet should ever be a replacement for like therapy. Cause I don't think that if you're really suffering from mental health issues, then it, then it can be. But I think that it's all in like, good fun and self-awareness and, you know, kind of being able to make fun of yourself as long as you're also like getting the treatment that you need and making sure that you're like functional every day. Julia, where can everyone find you online? So you can find me on Instagram at Binge City. That's B-I-N-C-H-C-I-T-Y. And that's my username on Twitter as well. Cool. Check her out, everyone. I feel good about the youth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Me too. I have faith. I have faith too. Well, Julia, thank you so much. We really, really enjoyed this conversation with you. And I'm sure our listeners are going to have a lot to say about it. So everyone out there, please feel free to tweet at us um, to keep that going or join our Discord server. We would love to hear what you think. Awesome. I was so happy to be on this podcast. It was really fun talking to you guys. We know. No, I'm just <laughs> so you're hopeful about the youth, Allie? I am. Oh my gosh. She was so awesome. I, yeah. I feel so old, but so full of hope. <laughs> I know. Me too. I think the complexity of the great. issues she's dealing with and the multiple angles like she can see it from and then using humor. Yeah. When I think about myself in college, I was not there. <laughs> I just wasn't there. I wasn't even funny. <laughs> I actually have a question. You mentioned a little pro tip around skincare. <laughs> We're talking about oh, yeah, Accutane. Yeah. I, I don't want to keep it a secret because I, you know, especially it's what the whole conversation is about yeah. and this podcast and everything. It's like, we shouldn't really have these kinds of secrets. I just didn't want to derail the conversation totally. because as all of our listeners know, I can do that. Well, I know <laughs> what your tip is and I think what you should share because people would be right. interested. Right, right, right. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, I did tell Julia off air and we had a whole conversation, but basically I went on Accutane three times in my like late teens, early twenties and my skin would be amazing while I was on Accutane and maybe for like six months after. And then the acne would come back. 
back, which now feels like ancient history, but it's kind of awful when you have it. Uh, anyway, if you go on Accutane three times, you're not allowed to go on a fourth time. And I think now it's like completely illegal Accutane. Um, but anyway, I looked up what is the active ingredient in Accutane and it's just a massive overdose of vitamin A. <laughs> um, so maybe what I'm doing is totally unhealthy. I don't know. But about 10 years ago, it's crazy how long ago it was, I started taking one vitamin A pill a day, but just like the over-the-counter um, capsules from, you can get it at Walgreens, Target, GNC, Vitamin Shop, and it's like $3.99 for a bottle of like 60 capsules. So it's like super cheap, super easy. I had tried all the expensive drugs and regimens and nothing ever worked. So yeah, vitamin A. And I recommended it to you and it works for you, right? It sounds like we're sponsored by vitamin A right now. Like, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> which brand, GNC. Uh, we're not, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we were. Anyway, back to the interview. I loved her. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. It, uh, there are a few things that I thought of during the interview. Do you remember she was talking about those ads that were switched? Do you remember we performed <sighs> sexist coffee ads done, Made right? right? This yeah. is by the blog S. <laughs> oh my God. It was switching the roles in co- in traditional coffee ads from the like, what were the 1950s? 50s, yeah. And then changing the coffee to jizz. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember Everyone should go look this up. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. It's like, because it, there were all these ads that were like, oh, honey, your coffee just doesn't taste any good. And she would be like so devastated. So they reverse it where she's like, oh, honey, your jizz, it just doesn't taste any good. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty <laughs> brilliant. It was like, the office makes better jizz than this. <laughs> if you guys do a deep dive into the internet, you can find a video of us performing some of those ads. <laughs> I would direct you to my personal yeah. website, but I wish it didn't exist. So uh, what? Why? happy digging. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, that sent them really directly there, jenjamula.com. Oh, Allie, take that out, Matt. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it exists on the internet, so have fun. <laughs> um, I did Something I was thinking during the interview that I wanted to bring up is the terminology around um, like hating men <laughs> or I hate men or something like that. Um, love Julia. Don't love that terminology <laughs> necessarily because I just think it's important to say that it's what we're saying we don't like is a, a patriarchal system that you know supports un, unequal gender dynamics that some people play into mm-hmm. and like aren't aware of and to play into because of that. Um, but they're definitely like like she was saying like a lot of aware wonderful men out there. So just to say, I thought that was important. Well, I also think that that language just is sort of like the hyperbole of the internet. Like there's yes. something funny and trendy about. Like, oh my God, everything is the worst. Everything's the best. I hate everything. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of just the way people talk nowadays. And then suddenly people take it very literally, right? Right. So I think when people say, oh my God, I hate all men, like they do not mean that literally. And then suddenly men are taking it. Yeah. Thinking there's some sort of sexism Uh, happening, you know, towards them. So. Right. Sure. Sure. When you say uh, all men are trash, we know it's a hyperbole and it's a joke, but as a guy who aspires to be an ally and really takes um, equitable uh, relationships and uh, feminism seriously, when I see the feminist conversation go there of like, all men are trash. And as someone who wants to support the cause and I want to be on your team, I didn't feel like I was allowed to participate in that conversation because it's harder for me to support you if, if you're calling me trash. And then Julia said something amazing, which was men have been raised very poorly in our society. And that is probably a good chunk of the reason why uh, toxic masculinity exists. And so 
when you frame the conversation that way, I'm like, yep, totally. We're doing a lot of things wrong with uh, raising the genders. Let's fix it. I am on board. But when you call men trash, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I can't, I don't know how to help you, you know? Yeah, and I have a guy friend who expressed a pretty similar position very recently. This is not going to sound related, but it's very related in my head because this is where my conversation with him ultimately went. It's like, he feels like people are angry and then that just makes him not want to engage And I get that. Um, But I think women's anger and frustration comes from even well-intentioned men not having any incentive to do their research. So for instance, Mm -hmm. I want to direct all listeners to the Clayman Institute for Gender Studies at Stanford to a video called Leveling the Playing Field. This video blew my mind. In this one short video, it goes over multiple studies um, proving different Uh, incidents of bias and why we have a lot of the issues that we have today. Women are incentivized to find these videos on their own and watch them. Men are not incentivized to do that, and I kind of get it. So even Mm -hmm. well-intentioned men actually have no idea that they're perpetuating a lot of really uh, detrimental workplace issues and general lifestyle issues. So for me, I know this maybe doesn't sound related, but I think it's like, Men get offended, but they're not doing the work, even when they want to or mean to. I understand that it's polarizing, and when women are angry and speak in hyperbole, it's alienating, alienating, and we shouldn't do that. But I also think that like men need to step up and do their research, and I know that's hard to find. And again, I want to say that the Clayman Center at Stanford is really great. <laughs> you should go check out their videos uh, and see. <laughs> I was going to add that women and other marginalized groups face, um, since they're facing both huge systemic issues and then also much smaller everyday little things that are keeping them, holding them back that actually add up to much bigger things, different kinds of microaggressions and things like that. I think that is absolutely where the anger comes from. Like I like we have to validate anger that comes out around the issues, but hopefully I think we're moving in a direction to be able to get beyond that, at least around some issues that women face to, you know, have productive conversations based on what I've seen and some of the work that we've been doing, uh, helping male allies in, in office places, for example. So, yeah, there's hope, <laughs> I think. Uh, that, that, I, I really like that. Uh, by the way, Jen and I teach male allies <laughs> trainings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was all a plug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if anyone uh, wants the link to that video, I will tweet it out or put it in our Discord when this episode goes live. And we'll put it in the, the notes of the show. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> Uh, tweet at us which <laughs> yeah. fruit is the gayest I'm um, at June I'm at uh, you can also email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com and you can call us and leave us a voicemail always our favorite please do that that phone number is 347-871-6548 that number again 347-871-6LIT and you can chat with us on our discord server discord.gg slash 2g1p join us there to talk about show topics you want to hear um, on 2g1p you can also suggest guests um, we definitely take all of your recommendations. So hope to see you there. Ali, what, where can they contribute? Patreon.com slash 2G1P. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula and run through the Valencia filter. I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Sophie Bridges. 
Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Thank you for your time.